You know what today is. It is Feature Friday, and we're discussing the queen of the quadruple doubles, Shakila Hill out of Grambling. There were some major upsets in the SWAC and MEAC tournaments, and we're going to discuss Virginia Union. Were they snubbed out the D2 tournament? Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU first listen of the day every day. And I want to start it off with our feature Friday because I am super excited to discuss this person. I'm talking about the queen of the quadruple doubles. I'm talking about Miss Shakila Hill, legend. Let's not say player, legend out of Grambling State because I want to see where is she now. I want to tell you just why her success at Grambling did not stop collegially. It also went overseas and continued there because, listen, she might have made her name off quadruple double not once but twice. The first time she did it was in 2018 versus Alabama State. The second time she did it was in 2019 versus University of Arkansas at Pine Pine Bluff. But saying it just, I don't feel like it gives the right amount of luster. I feel like I got to set it up. I feel like I got to tell you just how special a quadruple double is because you probably know I've never seen one. There's been ones that have happened since I've been alive. But outside of her, I have never seen one. Let's get it done right here. Single double doesn't exist. It's, it's minor, right? Nobody's, no one says that. That's not a term. That's how regular it is. A double double is pretty ordinary as well. That happens on a frequent basis. You still get praise for it, but whatever. A triple double, that's when we say, man, you had an all-around phenomenal game. Roses at your feet, those are the type of games that we praise and applaud. A quadruple double? Now, that's unreal. That's just simply unreal. And it's, ho- it's only happened four times in the NBA. It's happened one time in NCAA. It's never happened in the WNBA. And it's only happened five times. Only happened five times collegially in women's NCAA basketball. Shekyla Hill has two of those. And she's the only person, regardless of the, of the ranking, but I'm talking about official ones. I'm not talking about Wilt Chamberlain when he was. I'm talking about official official taking the stats and everything because there have been some unofficial quadruple doubles that people say happen, but it's not official, right? Because some things just weren't stats at the time. She is the only player to have multiple quadruple doubles officially recorded, specifically in the NCAA ranks. This is crazy because I don't want to make it seem like this all she does. She's not a flash in the pan at all. She's one of the most decorated players in Grambling history. However, this is something that just pops out. It just gets at you like, whoa, you know, you see and you say this hasn't happened in all of these different leagues. And she's done it twice. This is special. It's always been points, rebounds, um, steals and assists. And it's not, like I said, a flash in the pan. It's one of those things that she excels in. She's the leader in grambling history and assist women's basketball assist. 
and steals. She has the most steals in SWAT women basketball history. She's third in points and she's second in rebounds. Mind you, she's not like she's like a center or something. This is a guard. This is the guard who is in the top three all time for at, at her specific college, excuse me, top three all time at her college in Grambling history for rebounds. That's just not something that you see. It, it speaks to the versatility, and I think versatility will be a, a theme of this segment because she's versatile on the court and off the court, which we will touch on. But specifically focusing here, when you look at her and you say, you got these quadruple doubles, what else did you do? Were you, were you just this person who showed up twice a year? No, her coach says she, she consistently flirted with a quadruple double. She just happened to get it in 2018 for the first time. But she consistently flirted with it because she is that dynamic. She is that versatile. Man, where we were playing against her, oh, that's that's Hill, right? That's quadruple double. And yeah, everybody knew like that's quadruple double, quadruple double. I mean, you better watch out for her. And we always were. I used to love, you know, I think it was maybe one or two years. I think it might have just been one year, actually, where I got to see Joyce Kennison and Shakila Hill go like at it. Oh, that was great that was great for me back then and you know Joyce ended up leaving and she's now at University of Arkansas Pine Bluff had a couple of good years there as well but man I just remember when that was I think that was 2018 I was just super hyped but that's neither here nor there right so let's see also in addition to that Hill's also been the SWAC player of the year she's a three-time all SWAC first team member she's been a defensive player of the year once again speaking to the versatility right Man, this is a lady who has been completely dominant. And when she went overseas, you might have thought, might have thought that, ah, oh, yeah, this is this is done. We're not doing this anymore. Okay. She had that nice run, but it's not gonna happen. She didn't get drafted in the WNBA. And I personally thought that was disappointing. You know, she is high ranking, decorated as far as a Grambling State Tiger. For her not to get drafted in the into the WNBA it was like, nah, okay. And she thought about quitting. She thought about going to law school. But she ended up going overseas, and when she went overseas, she started, and she went crazy. She was the leading scorer of, of her team. She ended that team to a championship, the first championship history, you know. And then she came back the next year after the pandemic and everything happened, and for another club, led them to a championship. So winning and success just follows her everywhere. And like I said, I thought it was disappointing that she didn't get drafted into the WNBA. However, this is one of those – tier one clubs and it was a situation where this is one of the best transition transition this isn't the word this is this provides one of the best transitions or easiest pathways towards the WNBA because they respect this level of competition not because the competition is easy but because this competition level is respected so her coming out and she's two years in a row this speaks volumes to hey she did this at grandma she's doing she can do this in the WNBA as well and I think that that tied to grambling is so special to her and that's one of my favorite things about her is that she once said doing this and creating this history at grambling is more important than creating the history in general and i was like man that speaks volumes because it tells you just how much she loves her school how much she how much she has or how much pride she has in the hbcu brand talking about man look i did this at an hbcu when she signed her contract she didn't just go sign in her hometown she came back to grambling signing in front of all of those ladies to show you could do it here too. And she, she was all about trying to break it down and she's created a brand, right? She has her quadruple doubles and she created a moment into a brand and she spoke on things like 
the stigma against HBCU athletes. She spoke on racism, on sexism, and all types of social issues. So these are things that she's doing, and it's just how much I appreciate everything that she stands for, everything that she's willing to make a, you know, have a voice for. And she's not shy. She said things. She's like, man, look, I didn't know how to pronounce anything or say anything when I went overseas. All I learned was ball. That's the only thing I learned how to say. And it's those moments, and I think those pure and absolutely genuine moments that we sit there and we're going to welcome. And I think that she has more than proved herself capable, more than proved herself deserving of a spot over there in, 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 in the WNBA. But if she don't have it, forget it. She's balling overseas. You know, she is balling overseas. And that multifaceted nature that you see on the court, getting steals, getting rebounds, getting points, assists. She also has that here, creating a, a scholarship fund at Grambling because he felt, she felt it was so important to have kids not have to play sports, even though she played them, not have to play sports to be able to push their way through college for free. You know, it's those things, this giving back, just the kind heartedness and everything about her. I think that's what we really should appreciate. We will always know Shekyla Hill as the queen of the triple of the quadruple doubles. Speaking of her alma mater, Grambling, they pulled off a major upset in the first round of the SWAC tournament, knocking off Alabama A&M with some selective defense and defense that really mattered in spurts. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar because, because Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the market, bar none. They have so many different flavors that I can only list a few, but I think raspberry comes to mind, banana cream pie comes to mind, cookies and cream comes to mind. And y'all know my personal favorite. Say it with me. Blueberry muffin. I love your blueberry muffin. They had me a blueberry muffin um, Built Bar on the way to to work out the other day i was look i ain't worked out in a while but it was the one time i said man let me get my built bar and just enter and get ready to go i'll give you a quick built bar story and it's not about the 17 grams of protein four grams of sugar four net carbs that everything comes with i was talking to a friend of mine we were sitting in the car i told him hey man we were just we were just talking talking about snacks so you need to try built bar he said i love built bar i ordered me a pack not that long ago i said you know about built bars I said, somebody been listening to the show. And if you've been listening to the show, you know you need to go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. And I did ask him if I could share his story. So use the promo code LOCKED15 at built.com to get 15% off your offer. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's keep it rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And make sure you're checking out the Bracket Breakdown Show because you're Andy Patton and Lee Sterling giving you all the information to make sure that you are an expert when it comes to March Madness. You'll be able to catch it right here starting March 14th on our YouTube page on Locked On HBCU and also on the podcast feed. And today's word of the day is tempestuous, meaning turbulent or stormy. And that's perfectly on brand. Because tempestuous is a perfect word to describe the month of March when talking about basketball. But if we want to keep it thematic and keep it on brand, 
I'm talking about March Madness, which a lot of people will liken to the NCAA tournament. But it does not start there. It starts as soon as March starts. And we have madness in the SWAC and MEAC tournament as Grambling and, Cap and Coppin State have pulled off major upsets. Coppin State has knocked off Howard on the men's side. And Grambling, the Lady Tigers of Grambling, have knocked off Alabama a and I'm going to start there on the SWAC. We're going to keep it. Talking about Shekyla Hill, Miss Queen. No, forget uh, Miss Queen of the quadruple doubles. We're going to go with her alma mater. And Grambling was able to pull off this victory because they said, yes, your star is going to get hers. But what else is everybody else going to do? In a, mo in a moment when Dariana Lewis was able to score major buckets, was able to get a lot of points and was really taking what she wanted, nobody supporting cast was actually supporting. Meanwhile, on the other side, Alexis Holt, she struggled at times. She was a little slow at times. Her supporting cast lifted her up and lifted the Tigers to a victory. And that difference between how the supporting cast treated their star player was the reason that Grambling was able to win. When I tell you that Dariana Lewis was phenomenal, I mean Dariana Lewis was phenomenal. She had 32 points. And on that, on that night, she was 13 and 19 from the floor. This was the first game. So not even on the night. This was first thing in the morning, top of the morning, right? I come on 12 o'clock, 11 o'clock. I'm like, ooh. Because I got tricked with that about C uh, the SEAX championship, the Eastern time and everything. I got my time zones mixed up. So I was like, man, let me go ahead and make sure that this game ain't happening, you know, at the wrong time. Here balling. And she was getting every 13 to 19 from the floor. She was making basically all of her free throws. And this is it sets up. It's not any buts in here. There's not Darion Lewis was good, but there's not da-da-da-da, but it's none of that. It's no Dariana Lewis was great. The problem is nobody else around her was. And I think immediately you want to point the finger, and I hate to just single somebody out because it is everybody, but if you were looking for one person who was going to support her, who was going to do something in addition to her, it would have been Nigeria Jones because Lewis scored 32 points. The team as a whole scored 54. Not 54 in addition to her 32, 54 periods. So that means without her, they only scored 22 points. That's just not a recipe for success. I wouldn't sit there and say, yeah, my star player dropped 32. Everybody else pitched in a, a smooth 20, you know, a smooth 20 piece from everybody else combined. And we won that game. That does not feel realistic. It feels like you're going to lose. It just does. And it's disappointing because them not chipping in wasted a phenomenal performance by their star player. But the reason I pointed Nigeria Jones is because she has had explosions. She's had 20, 30 point games this year. She's the leading scorer team or the second leading scorer on the team so i expected her to be able to pick up the slack when everybody else didn't okay whatever but her i expected her to do more a lot of times it's more disappointing when you have expectations of somebody else you know that ain't groundbreaking but that's how i felt like man nigeria ain't doing nothing today she went 0 for 8 from the field missed her pair of free throws as well and i look at it and i say man well grambling that's the, the key to success against her because in the game previous to this, the last game they played Grambling twice. But in the second game, she only had six points. She went 2 of 16 from the field. Maybe Grambling just has the key to slowing her down. Maybe that was in her head. Regardless, she wasn't able to do it. Compare that to how Grambling treated Holt. Grambling treated Holt. They said, hey, we understand right now you're slow. And she got 15 points, so don't get it twisted. She's still but. Hey, we understand right now you're kind of shooting a little sluggish right now. You're not really making all your shots. Justice Coleman came in and she dropped 19 points. They had three other players in addition to Hope score 
in double digits. So you had Hope, Coleman, and two others. These are the type of things that I wanted. And it's crazy because your star player, you would think, like, all right, my star player got 32. Your star player got 15. I probably won this game. I mean, when I say it came down to the supporting cast, your star players can do whatever they want. But if those others don't join, if those others do not help, you're going to be looking like the Lady Bulldogs. You're going to be looking at a loss. So that's ultimately what it all came down to. Dariana Lewis, Alexis Holt, it wasn't a scratch, but let's scratch him out. All it came down to was, hey, when you take those players aside, who else is going to step up? And Grambling stepped up in a major way, and that's the reason they are moving on into the semifinals. Now, on the men's side in the MEAC tournament, I, I might have Howard a little much. But then again, I think the reason that they fell had a lot to do with who they were going against. They went against Coppin State because Coppin was a school who swept them this year. If you remember before the MEAC tournament came on, I said it's all about Howard and it's all about Norfolk. Norfolk had to fight to get away in their first round matchup, but they did get away. Howard was not so lucky. And not only did they not fight to get away from it or were they not able to get away from it, they were fighting to get into it. Now, I wouldn't say they were dominated, but they didn't lead after the first minutes of the game. They led when it was. That was the last time that that happened. More leading. There was no more big-time um, offensive explosions. They shot really poorly from the field. The last time that they led the game, it was 4-2. to two. After that, Coppin went on an 18-3 run and never looked back. Once again, I want to be clear. You know, you could think they won an 18-run, never looked back. They never The lead never shrunk. No, Howard was able to fight back. They were able to tie it up, but they never got the lead again. Never. And it's like, man, your biggest lead of the game was two points. In the first two minutes of the game, first four minutes in the game, that's disappointing. And it's the fashion that they went down in because Coppin State was a school that did sweep Howard. So while it was all about Howard, it was all about Norfolk and they deserve the praise. Coppin is clearly a bad matchup for Howard and they did not shoot well. The same way that Grambling was able to contain the supporting cast of Alabama A&M, Coppin was able to contain just Howard in general. Kyle Foster wasn't able to do anything. He wasn't able to get going. Elijah Hall able to get going they forced a lot of turnovers in the first half as well i think that really helped lead to the the league getting out and expanding and it gave them some cushion and they were obviously you know because it wasn't a situation where they just chopped away chopped away chopped away no they they got the lead it got chopped away and then they built that lead back up and at the end of the game they ended up winning on a last second shot under a second left they put two tenths on on the clock so Overall, I think Coppin is just a bad matchup for Howard. And we saw a situation where similar in the um in the swag tournament with, with Grambling, where Grambling has been bad. They've been bad to close the season. They knocked off Southern. Completed the, the three-game sweep, even though Southern was the favorite. Sometimes you just have bad matchup for you. And that's exactly what Coppin State was for Howard. So now it's all on Norfolk. We'll see what that's going to be. But there's, this is a time to sit there and praise Coppin because you just knocked off the number two seed. Ironically, both of these teams were the number seven seed knocking off the number two seed. One in the swack on the women's side, one in the MEAC on the men's side. But either way, they put off some major ups. And as we transition from two teams who are fighting to get into the NCAA tournament, I want to sit back and reflect on a team that a lot of people are saying should have made it into the NCAA tournament is kind of salty that they got snubbed. But first, I want to tell you about BetOnline because BetOnline.net is the number one place for all of your wagering needs. They have anything that you need. Listen, 
I want to see the over-under on what Russell Wilson's passing yards are. Let's talk about that on Locked On Broncos. Let's talk about, you know, the negative side of who's going to be the next Seahawks quarterback, Locked On Hawks. There's so many good things that come out of this. And it's not just football. You know, I love football, so I love when there's betting odds and things like that on this. But then you also have the MVP odds for the NBA. Ja Morant's gaining a lot of steam. You know, Embiid, they just got embarrassed against Brooklyn. We'll see how that affects his odds in, in, in Vegas. But then also you have the AP Top 10 getting into the uh, March Madness season. How are they going to fare once the tournament starts? There are so many things to bet on on betonline.net. That's why I consider them the best in the business. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wage on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Virginia Union is a school that a lot of people feel dubbed for the D2 men's NCAA. I want to take a look at their qualifications, why they should have made it, and then also the direct competition that a lot of people have placed in front of them, and that is West Virginia State University. People are saying, how did West Virginia State make it and Virginia Union not? I want to get into their case for it. This is not my opinion. This is simply the Virginia Union case and the one that fans will be making to say, hey, you know, we we are pretty good. We should have made that tournament and we definitely should have made it over that team that shares a state with us. But first, let's get into their qualifications individually, because individually they are a really good team. They have fought some some real good competition. They've had a really strong out of conference schedule schedule. And it's something that the coach felt like, hey, I built up this conference out of conference schedule. I feel like we fared well in it. I don't know. It's, it's very limited words. That's the thing. Once you get snubbed, it's very limited words that you're going to say because a lot of coaches aren't just going to come out and have the press conference where they blast the NCAA committee for not picking them. It's just not typically what you're going to see. But you know that it's a situation where you're like, I don't know what to say. It is what it is. You have to take the it is what it is approach a lot of times, even when you don't want to. But what do you want them to do? They're wrong. We should have got that's for fans. You know, that's for fans to say, hey, we should have got in over this team. We should have. That's for fans, for the coaches and the players to kind of take it in stride and say it is what it is. You can show frustration, but you're probably not going to call any teams. Definitely not any teams. And you're probably not going to call the decision makers out either. So he kind of said what he had to, but he said he felt like he did enough and he felt like the school did enough to make it. And I think that's the best that you can really ex expect from a head coach in his position. But what was it that he did? Tough out of conference schedule, handled themselves well, had 20 wins on a season, on the season. That was well. And then you look at in the in the conference, they won their division. They won their division within the conference. And then they also made it to the finals. So they were right there. They're a game away from having an automatic bid. Let's put that in our back pocket. Because it's important to remember, they were a game away from having an automatic bid by being in the CIAA finals. And that conference sends multiple players or multiple teams into the tournament. You know, we're going to keep that in the back pocket. Now we're going to move forward. The school that they're directly putting in front of them is West Virginia State. Because they're looking like, man, we beat that team. Period. Both teams ended up with a 23-7 and uh, record. And we beat them. That's an automatic. If you have two teams who are tied and I beat you, 
how you getting in over me? I know that's what they're saying. Mind you, from now on, I'm about to speak from a Virginia Union point of view. So um, this isn't just me being personally invested, but this is understanding the side of where they're coming from. And it's like, you you, you didn't beat me, right? Like, I'm just got to go back and check. And you didn't beat me, and I beat you by a large margin. I beat you by about 20 points. And you got in over me? But I think one thing that they they might say, the committee might say is, well, you know, that game was a long time ago. It, we've had a lot of season for that, from that. Okay, to which I now Darian would respond. Let's take it more recently, because if you don't want to go on the head to head match and they do have their criteria, let's be very clear. They do have criteria in which they they want to base things on. But sometimes I think you have to get away from just your standard criteria, the things that are cemented and just look and say, well, my eyes tell me this. And their eyes might have just told them that West Virginia State was the better team. But I think that you compare. Pause, bring it back. It's sometimes about who's the better team, but it's also about the resume that you have, you know? And I think from a Virginia State point of view, you're sitting there and you're saying, we beat this team head-to-head, and then also we went farther in our conference title tournament than they did. They lost in the first round finals. We were a game away. That's what's in our back pocket. We were a game away from being automatically in this thing. So it's not even a conversation. Now, if we lose or if we win, does Fayetteville State get in? That's the question. Those are the type of things that you're wondering. I mean, I would assume you're wondering. I think that overall, you pair the fact that in a head-to-head matchup, Virginia Union won a game that wasn't even close, and you pair with the fact that they made it all the way to their conference finals as opposed to losing in the first round, those type of things I think should hold some sort of weight. They they were right there neck and neck with the number one seed in the country right now. Took them into overtime, lost by only a couple of points. They have a resume. They have the the one-on-one matchup, and they also have the postseason success that West Virginia State does not have. I think that there is a legitimate claim and an honest reason to say, hey, we were snubbed when it comes to making it into the D2 men's tournament. That's my personal opinion. I understand exactly where all of my Virginia Union alum and just honestly fans of the game are coming from when they make those comments that Virginia Union was snubbed. But let's see all of the point of views. That's what I'm all about. And those are the reasons that you make Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And make sure you're coming back next week as we detail the SWAC and MEAC tournament. There are so many things to dive into. I can't wait for this tournament to be over, not because I'm hating the game, but because I can't wait to talk about it to you on Monday. And for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked On NFL Draft with Eric Crocker, former NFL and AFL cornerback, and then also Ryan Tracy, giving you all the information you need for the big event in April. It's a three-day event. You might need three months of planning. Go ahead and check out Locked On NFL Draft. And in the meantime, in between time, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Look at the, the graphic right there below. I actually did that pretty good this time. Um, The graphic right there below at South Exclusives if you're listening to me on audio. And in the meantime, oh, wait. And until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace. Oh, shit. And in the meantime, in between time. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.